Good evening. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church, our midweek time together. I'm so glad to have you with us once again. I hope you're doing well uh, this week, and I hope you are also enjoying and also being challenged by our study on attitudes. And I'm so glad that you were back for session number six, and we're going to jump into that in just a couple of moments. Before we, before we do that, let me just welcome those of you that might be finding us for the very first time. As always, I just want to welcome you and thank you for taking a few minutes out of your week to join us as we spend a few moments studying Scripture together. I also would ask if you are a first-time watcher or this is your, um, yeah, you've been watching us consistently, you've been watching us each week, I would ask you to go ahead and share tonight's content and like us also on Facebook. Uh, that helps us just get our, our content out as wide as possible, and so help us out in that regard too. If you are visiting, there should be a welcome card down in the comments section. You can take that uh, form and introduce yourself to us, or you can also contact us on our website at gracenc.org. Click the contact button, and you can find us there, and we would love to hear back from you. You may have questions about our ministry, and we would just love the opportunity to to answer those for you. As always, as I do each and every week, I also want to thank you and also encourage you to continue giving to the work of our ministry. Uh, during this pandemic time, our ministry has changed just like everybody else's, and we're trying to find ways to reach our community and, and continue to minister to people, and that takes on different formats as we are working through these weeks and months now of dealing with the COVID-19 issue. But we cannot do what we are doing and continuing to do and planning to do without your continued financial support. And so, as always, thank you for that. And if you would like to give a gift, you can go again to our website, gracenc.org, click the Give button, and uh, any little amount helps. And we just appreciate that so much. So we are working through a series studying attitudes and a couple of reminders before we jump into some new information tonight. First of all, all the way back in session number one, if you learned one thing, I hope you learned this, that our attitudes are in fact a choice. They're not based on emotion. They're not based on circumstances. They're not even based on, on how we feel. Uh, today, while we're putting to this this content together this morning here uh, in, in our real time as we're recording this, it's, it's morning time, and we were driving in, I was driving my daughter to work this morning, and while we were driving in, she was unusually quiet, and I said, how are you today? And she said, Dad, I am just really tired. And I echoed that remark. Uh, I'm also a little tired this morning, and sometimes when we are tired, our attitudes can get away from us and our emotions and feelings can get away from us, but we have to always remember all the way back in session one that we learned our attitudes are a choice. Regardless of how I feel, even when I'm tired, I can choose the right attitudes. We are then working through these different attitudes, looking at the New Testament principle of putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature that we have in Christ. This is a battle for us each and every day. None of us are perfect at this but we have to consistently replace ungodly attitudes with attitudes that, plead, that please Christ. So we began in week two of studying our very first negative attitude, which was the, neg the negative attitude of complaining. And then we looked in the next session at replacing that with thankfulness. We then studied the idea of covetousness 
And we countered that with the New Testament idea of studying the idea of contentment. So tonight we're going to launch into a new section. And actually, I'm going to read for you a couple of verses that are from a text that we have already alluded to. And we're not really going to study this text, but we're going to be looking at a, an issue that comes up in these verses and then looking at a very specific issue that comes up in the next chapter of Numbers. And uh, we'll read that in just a moment. But I want to introduce this just by reading a text that we've already considered previously. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, we find this, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them out in the outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. One of the issues that we have seen, and you probably are well aware of the people of Israel, as they had this consistent problem with complaining, which we have already studied. Okay, We already looked at that text, and we looked at their ability to complain. And this was a very serious issue for the people of Israel, and they often complained about their provisions that God had given to them. And Moses had to uh, go to the Lord in Numbers chapter 11 to deal with this issue. And as we study the life of Moses, one of the things that is very important for us to remember about him is that Moses was a human being. In fact, there were times when Moses would hear the people of, com- people of Israel complaining that there is points here in the Numbers text that he actually cries out to God and he says, you know what, just take my life because I am weary of hearing the people that you have called me to lead to complain and to consistently and constantly question not only God, but also Moses's leadership. And what's interesting about Moses is he understood, I'm sure, in his mind that the criticism of God's people, the complaining of God's people, really was not personal against him. In fact, there was real indication their complaining really was against God. But Moses, as the chosen leader of Israel, he was the person in the seat of leadership that placed him in the way of the complaining of God's people. You know, I've been in leadership now quite a long time, and when I think about the different hats that I wear, I am a husband, I'm a father, I'm I'm a parent of kids in our Christian school, I'm a pastor of a church, and I'm the president of a school. And there are times that it gets interesting on what hat am I wearing at that, at that moment. And through my years of ministry, my years of being in, in leadership, one of the things that you have to learn as a leader, and I've had to learn, unfortunately, the hard way, is understanding that the complaining of people is not necessarily directed at you personally. It's ultimately directed at God. And there are times as the leader of a church or a leader of a school or the leader of a home or a business or a political leader or whatever it may be, that ultimately it's not you. It just happens to be that you are the person sitting in that position of leadership. And in the case of the people of Israel, this was this was Moses. But what happens is, and we're going to see this in just a moment, 
is that Moses listened to the complaints of God's people and he went to the Lord on their behalf. But there is also a very real aspect that Moses not only received the complaints of God's people about what God was doing, he also faced criticism. And so tonight, what I want to talk to you about is having a critical spirit. Because if we're honest, I think all of us wrestle with, at times, being overly critical. And criticism can become a very real part of our lives. And in Numbers chapter 12, if you have a Bible, you can, you can join me there, or you can find it on maybe the app that's on your telephone. You can find Numbers chapter 12, and we're going to read that text in just a moment. But we're going to see now Moses not just receiving the general complaints of people, but in Numbers 12, it gets very personal. It gets personal toward Moses as he is going to receive criticism, personal criticism. Now, we've noted this before, and I want to repeat this, is that complaining is primarily directed toward our circumstances. If you look back at Numbers 11, the complaining that God's people did was about their circumstances. They didn't have water. They didn't have food. They weren't comfortable. They're wandering through the wilderness. And so their complaining was predominantly about their, their circumstances. Criticism, however, has this distinction. It is directed primarily at people, at individuals. So criticism can be defined as this. It's defined as dwelling upon the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. In other words, criticism can be defined as perceiving the faults of someone else and viewing this in such a way to be kind of maybe stated a little bit overstated is that there's nothing good about that person. And so criticism is a very dangerous practice for the believer in Christ. When we complain about circumstances, as we see in Numbers 11, that grieves the heart of our Heavenly Father. In fact, God, God judged the people of Israel for their complaining. But we have to also now look at this issue of when we become critical of individuals and we become critical of people. Now, let's pull apart that definition that I read to you just for a moment. Let me read it again. Criticism can be defined as dwelling upon the perceived faults of another with no view to their good, or maybe more particularly, to no view to their spiritual good, to their spiritual well-being. Well, think about what that means for a moment. Criticism is really based on our perception. It's based on how we perceive a situation. Here's the reality. Our perceptions are sometimes wrong. We see an issue, we perceive it to be one way, and there are times that we are downright absolutely incorrect. We are wrong. There are other times, and arguably more often than not, our perceptions are actually incomplete. We don't have the full story. As a leader, in different scenarios for, for the last 20 years or so, there, are, there have been times, occasions, that I have information that everybody else doesn't have, and I can't share because of 
confidentiality issues or whatever it may be. But people make a decision and often make criticism based on a wrong perception or an incomplete perception about what they see. So when we talk about this issue of criticism, we need to remember that, first of all, our assumption should always be that I don't know everything about what I'm seeing and hearing, and I might very well have the wrong perception. So we have to keep that in mind. Secondly, criticism is based upon our dwelling on the perceived thoughts of someone else. There are little slights in life that happen every single day. And there are often many times that we need to let those faults go. Sometimes these faults, by the way, are our perception. That person didn't mean to hurt our feelings. They didn't mean to be snippy or short or or distracted or whatever. They didn't do it to me intentionally. They didn't do it to hurt my feelings. There are times that my, my criticism is really based on a perception and then that perception, dwell I dwell on it and it begins to grow and take root in my life And then I develop a critical spirit. The third aspect of that definition is that criticism is based on our refusal to see that situation for the person's good. Let's say for sake of argument that your that your perception is correct, that that person did sin against you or that person is being difficult or or whatever, whatever it may be. We would be wise to rather than become critical of that person is to take that and pray for that person that God would bring them to repentance if needed or that God would use the situation in their lives for their good. All right. All that being said, we have to understand that all of us have criticized others and we've all been criticized. It's just the nature of humanity, especially those of you that may be watching and you are in a position of leadership particularly for you, receiving criticism is a reality that we just have to get get used to. Now, there is criticism that is constructive. There's criticism that we need. We need feedback when people perceive something or they understand something to be true that then I may need to hear it and I may need to hear well-meaning criticism in order for me to correct the direction of my life. So not all criticism is bad or wrong. Criticism that is given, which we'll talk about in our next session, when it is given out of love, that's welcomed. When criticism is given out of a mean, critical, judgmental spirit, that is very destructive. Now, one of the issues that I would argue in our super sensitive culture today is that we don't have the ability and the grace to receive criticism with grace that we become defensive and we become self-righteous and self-protective and we oftentimes fall off the cliff of overreacting to the criticism of people. And whenever criticism comes, I have to ask myself, is this true? If it's true, I need to correct it. If it's incorrect, then I move on. Or there may be a mixture of the two. I take what is right and change it. Otherwise, I just thank the person for their feedback and keep moving on. Here's the other trick about criticism, by the way, receiving it, is I have to understand that even if the source of the criticism is negative, or even if the source is one that I wouldn't welcome that criticism, I still have to listen to make sure that there isn't an aspect of truth in it. 
to make sure, even if it's a person that is known as a critical person, they're known as a difficult person, they might be right. So criticism is not always bad. It's not always wrong, but it needs to be given in a right spirit. But what we're talking about tonight is the negative critical attitude that we so often see in churches and in homes and certainly here in our culture. That's a long introduction, (laughs) but let's get to Numbers chapter 12. Because in Numbers 12, Moses is going to receive some very stinging criticism, and it's going to come from his own family. Listen to what happens. Verse 1, it says this. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three to the tent of the meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward and he said, hear my words. Is this a prophet? Is there, excuse me, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles and he beholds the form of the lord why then were you not afraid to speak why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant moses and the anger of the lord was kindled against them and he departed now listen to the account that happens as we see here miriam moses's own sister is the primary source of personal criticism against Moses. Now, she fans the flame and Aaron jumps in. A negative critical spirit always invites company, every time. So Miriam begins to complain about Moses and she has her own critical spirit about him. And so she makes a comment. And again, as Aaron Uh, illustrates that normally what happens is one person starts to have a critical spirit and everybody else just jumps on the bandwagon. How often have you seen this in groups of people? It could be in a connect group. It could be in a home Bible study. It could be in your, in your work environment, wherever it may be that one person makes a critical comment. And before long, man, they just start popping like firecrackers. They're just popping all over the room and everybody's feeding on this negativity and they're being critical. And the people that are not enjoying that and are not participating, generally speaking, they don't step in and say, Hey guys, that's sinful. We shouldn't talk about that person like that. We're being critical. We're being mean spirited. And notice here that this This criticism from Miriam to Moses and then Aaron begins to get involved. Now, verse one, we are introduced to the surface problem. Notice the surface problem is the fact that Moses had married this Cushite woman. I don't have time in this session to talk about who she was. You're welcome to read that 
on your own, but let's just say it very generally, is that Miriam is upset superficially that Moses had married this particular woman. Now, this is human nature. When somebody comes in and they have a critical attitude, that's usually a symptom. What brings them into your office or brings them into your room to talk to you really is kind of a superficial thing. So Miriam's initial complaint was, I don't like his new wife. But in reality, verse 2 tells us the real issue. Notice what she says. And they, Aaron and Miriam now, feeding off each other, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Here's, Here's my take on that verse. Is Moses really the only one that God is speaking to? What makes Moses so special? Why does he get special treatment? Hasn't God spoken through us too? Notice this critical spirit is really being fed by jealousy and envy. They go on and they say, not only has Moses, not only is Moses not the only one, he says, has not he spoken through us also? Who does Moses think he is? Why does he get all of the attention? Why is he receiving this, from their perspective, special treatment from God? Hasn't God, Miriam says, and Aaron spoken through us as well? The underlying issue is that Moses had a special relationship with God that Miriam and Aaron didn't enjoy, and they were jealous. They were envious. And so they became critical. They're asking this question of of God and why their relationship with why Moses' relationship with God was so unique. Now, if we listen to Micah chapter six, verse four, we find this words and it says, for I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, Aaron and Miriam. Okay, so we have this case here in Micah 6, 4, that Aaron and Miriam were a very intricate part of God's plan for the people of Israel as he brought them out of Egypt. They were exceptionally important people. But here's the rub. Moses was in charge. He was the one who was given the primary leadership responsibility. There's a great book written a number of years ago now called Leading from the Second Chair. And it talks about being a person who is leading underneath the the leadership of someone else. Just take our, our American political system as an example of that. The president is the leader of the country. Well, the vice president is still an important position in our country. The speaker of the house is an important position in our country. The Senate majority leader is an important person in our, in our government. The Secretary of Defense, you could go through our entire government, but they all fall under the leadership of one individual. Well, God doesn't particularly like Moses's, or excuse me, Miriam's attitude and Aaron's attitude toward Moses. And he confronts them. He hears their words, their critical words. And he says, you know what? Why don't you guys come outside for a minute? I'd like to talk to you. And he says to them, you know, look, there are prophets that I speak to in dreams. There are prophets that I have used in in various ways. But Moses, 
is one that I speak to face to face. He is my chosen servant. He is my chosen leader. And so this criticism that is speaking against Moses reaches the, in a sense, ears of God. And God is, God is quick to hold them accountable for their words. In fact, we find this in verse 13. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. After we skipped a few verses, but um, we know that when the anger of the Lord, verse 9, was kindled against them, let me go ahead and read verse 10. When the cloud was removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous. And so she has this issue of leprosy. It goes on and it says, Aaron turned toward Miriam and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and we have sinned. So Aaron, when he sees the results of their sin, by the way, it was Miriam that started this. And God judges her for it. He holds her accountable. And Aaron recognizes, look, we were wrong. We were foolish. We were selfish. And then Moses pleads with God, heal her. Verse 14, but the Lord said to Moses, if her father had put spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be put outside the camp seven days. And after that, she may be brought in again. This critical attitude and this critical spirit was not quickly overlooked by God. And my dear friend, if you are a person that is prone to a critical spirit and a critical attitude, it is not escaping the ears of your heavenly father. And just as Miriam's criticism and Aaron's criticism and critical spirit, more particularly, were held accountable by God, my dear friend, He's going to hold you accountable for every critical word that you speak against someone in a critical, judgmental spirit, particularly as we have in this case, ones that are motivated by sinful desires such as jealousy and envy. So let me leave you tonight with a few very practical, objective facts about having a critical spirit. Number one, criticism, sinful criticism, derogatory criticism, destructive criticism is sin. We're going to talk next time, next session about our motives in criticism. If my criticism is truly and authentically out of love and for the spiritual benefit of that person, then I am right to offer that feedback. But let's be honest, the majority of our critical spirit is sin because our goal isn't to see the person grow spiritually or to repent. It is to tear them down, it's to destroy them. And so in Numbers 12, verse 11, for instance, we find, as we just read, as Aaron said, we have acted foolishly and we have sinned against God. Your critical, destructive spirit is sinning against your heavenly father. Second, criticism is petty 99% of the time. There are times that criticism is helpful. It is for the spiritual benefit of another person. But the criticism that Moses received over his wife was a cover-up 
It was a cover-up for a deeper issue of jealousy and envy. Thirdly, criticism is self-exalting. When we enter into a critical attitude and critical spirit, we're really elevating ourselves above that other person. Miriam's basic premise was, hey, Moses, I'm as good as you. In fact, I'm better than you. And Aaron jumped in too. Yeah, who do you think you are, Moses? God's spoken to us too. There's this attitude of self-exalting. Number four, criticism is painful. It doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry or in leadership or in any any position remotely where you are over people and you are leading people and you're receiving criticism. It always stings. There's always a little bit of grief that comes when we receive criticism. And with that being said, to be painfully redundant, it doesn't mean that I can't offer constructive criticism but it means I withhold judgmental, destructive criticism. And when I offer, when I offer well-intentioned criticism, it is given from a spirit of humility and it's given from a spirit of love. Lastly, criticism is often inadvertent. Sometimes our criticism is just a habit. It just kind of flows off our tongue. We're reckless with our words. We're careless. We speak without thinking. We're not slow to speak. We just rattle off whatever comes to our mind. And sometimes, very often, our criticism is inadvertent, but it doesn't mean that it's not equally hurtful. So as we end tonight's session, let me ask you, are you known as a critical person? Critical over everything, everybody. No, nothing's good enough. No one does things the way that you think. They should be done. Do you often speak negatively? Do you often speak harshly about other people? Do you quickly find fault? You kind of like Miriam. You see something you don't like, so you just want to criticize, question. And then maybe the most important question for you tonight to consider is, are you experiencing the consequences of your critical spirit? Miriam did. You may not be struck with, with leprosy, but you may be experiencing consequences of your own sinful attitude. The truth is, my friend, you can control your critical spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you can replace that critical spirit with the attitude we will discuss in our next session. Thank you for joining us tonight. As always, I thank you for the privilege of speaking to you tonight. I pray this was a help to you. As always, please leave your comments or contact us if you have any questions or more information you'd like to get about tonight's information and content, or you want more information about our ministry, just go to gracenc.org, hit the contact button, connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. So let me end our session tonight with a brief word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Forgive us for our critical spirit, critical nature, and Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of those moments that we do criticize destructively, and Lord, pray, I pray that we would put this sinful attitude away from our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Good night, and please join us for our next session when we will look on the attitude that we replace our critical spirit with. We'll see you then.